0: Hi everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Podcast. Hope you're well who's listening. I'm Stephen, the host of the NSS Podcast, and I'm delighted to be joined alongside by two show regulars, Ross and Francis. How are you both?
1: Good, mate. Yeah, all i had good. A nice, had a nice wee holiday, a wee week away there, so I'm all refreshed and ready to go, we a bit to say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Looking forward to I mean, this is going to be a crucial week for Celtic I mean, we're going to... Denmark to play Michelin with one, one all in aggregate. We'll, we'll get on to that soon. First of all, I want to kind of focus on the, pre, the last pre-season game there against West Ham, which is our final pre-season game of the, the campaign anyway, of the, the pre-season kind of training camps and stuff, and we lost 6-2. Now, it was quite a, a sober result, but before we get on to some negatives, I want to focus on some positivity. Now, people will be shocked to hear me say that, but I actually do. <laughs> I, want to, I want to look at the Celtic goals because I thought the two goals that were scored were from good high-pressing play and that for me is the kind of play Poster Cogley wants to install in Celtic Ross. Now, the first goal was Cal McGregor, took it off the midfielder. And he kind of he had the chance to play Christian, but he composed himself, whipped it around the defender within, within the, the bottom corner at the left hand side of the goals. And then the second goal was a cross ball in Ryan Christie, following up, getting it in. I mean, the keeper made a mistake. But did you see the positivity coming out in them goals in t-
1: terms of style that Poster Cogley wanted to play? Aye, definitely. Uh, You've sort of summed it up perfect. But Just again, like uh, when I spoke previously about the, I'm sure it was the Sheffield Wednesday game. They, they won the ball high and they punished the the, the opposing team by, uh, winning it so, so high and then just taking their chance basically. Uh, but McGregor's finish was absolutely sublime. Uh, just uh, like you said The way he composed himself And uh, if you watch it in slow motion It bounces like Maybe four or five times And it's obviously getting lower The more it bounces And he just hits, It's actually no on the ground When he catches it And he, he, he just catches it so sweet It's just slightly off the ground But that can be difficult to take A shot like that And he's, he's just had it perfect And aye uh, trusty uh, Again another Another really good goal. Obviously, like you said, the keeper made a mistake, but he was just a, a, the whole the whole game. He was or he was a ball of energy, and he's he's shown glimpses again for me. Eh, and if he's if his heads want to be with us, then it's 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 a, a guy you want to sort of make part of the team going forward. Because eh, I certainly think that he is geared up for Angie's style eh, in terms of how he plays the game. So aye, it was. They were there were two great goals. uh, eh, but obviously we'll touch on the rest of the game shortly. But the rest of it wasn't fantastic. That
0: as you said there, Ross. That McGregor goal, <coughs> that ball was bouncing. See if I'd hit that guaranteed corner flag all day long. Like you know what I mean? But it, it's the way he composed himself, Francis. The way he took it, it was like the McGregor of old. We kind of missed that last season. Him getting forward. And hitting shots, and I think Ross makes a brilliant point in regards to Christie, I think maybe probably until he got, was he took off? I think he did get took off, yeah and up until then he's probably one of the best players in the pitch for Celtic in, in, in regards to the team sense he, there was times in the first half the ball was get whipped to him, he's controlling it, first touch taking over their full head and all, I thought he was fantastic and I said in the previous podcast, if, if his head's in it and he wants to play for the team and he wants to sign that contract, then by all means keep him, he seems to be making a price on the left-hand side, doesn't he Francis?
2: Oh, most definitely. Like, like I said on the previous podcast, uh, he's slightly out of position still, but it's probably more favoured because it's on the left-hand side, and he's a wee bit more confident because it's predominantly predominantly left-foot. But his yeah, his goal was nice. Like you just too touched on, it was a a goalkeeping error, but he's coming in today. He's coming inside to the the middle of the park, like the penalty spot area. In the middle of the goal for the cross coming for the from the other side. And like I know that's pretty an old sort of a style, simple style, but it's kinda of what you want your left and right wingers to do when the opposite the opposition guy's crossing it and You want the other guy coming in and at the back post and what like so I I've I've had been really impressed by Ryan Christine, like you say, if if his head is in the right place, I, I think he's a major asset for us.
0: It is kind of, not hard for me to say, but it's like eating my own words from last season because... That's the man you love to hate. (laughs) I was adamant (laughs) that that Christy should leave along with his big head, go down to England or go abroad, (laughs) wherever he was going to end up. But again, it's like, if he can produce their performances, and as you said, he's still getting slightly played out of position, but his energy doubles up for that. Because on the left-hand side, he can cut in. I think the right-hand side for me was a bit... He's a bit one dimensional, He didn't get the best of Chris either. I actually mean, think
2: like the right hand side would suit him better so he can cut in his left, but it just doesn't seem to, it doesn't suit him at all.
0: Uh, I get what you mean. And I thought maybe up until 20 minutes, 30 minutes, we played well. And then obviously, as Ross touched upon, we took one to now, the team just fell apart, I thought. And a lot of people do say it's pre season, don't read too much into it. But again, I'm not ban that kind of kind of narrative because this is the last pre season game, and we're heading into this major Champions League qualifier. Dane Murray, Stephen Wells, not the point to blame with these guys, Ross, but it's what they, the situation they find themselves in. Again, it's made by the Celtic board by not strengthening these positions earlier. Is it a concern for you saying how badly, now before we move on to Barcast, but how badly exposed we were, especially after just one simple ball over the top?
1: I um, it's concerning, of course it is, um, but I mean, it, it was basically a story of an experienced operator in Antonio meeting her Basically, young defensive pairing. Look what they are. Very inexperienced, and as you say, it's no slant on the boys. They they gave their all, but again, it only highlights more how much we need guys like Starfelt eh, and amongst others to be in the team as soon as possible. Eh, but I mean, you can't. I don't. I think that the only saving grace really is that 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 team on Saturday will probably be a far cry for what the team will be going forward when we're well into the season, if you like. Uh, obviously, that, that, that too is not going to be our defensive pairing for the majority of the season, barring injuries or whatever. But uh, Aye, they were certainly exposed big time and they looked like what they were, as I said, very inexperienced. But West Ham are a good side and they've got seasoned professionals who essentially, like, took, they were clinical and took their chances every time they were in, uh, and they were in a lot, by the way, but uh, I, I, it's concerning how easily we were opened up, but I hold on to the, the saving grace that that won't be our back line moving forward in the next, but maybe, months or two. Isn't that sort of like a,
0: a frustrating thing for you, Ross? Because every year we're in this position, regardless of management structures or management teams within the club, it seems to be these time League qualifiers come around. Everyone knows what positions we need to strengthen, but yet we're going to gamble £40 million. Pounds. Now, that's to say if we get that far and not drop into the Group City Europa League, but still there's money involved. And we're we're, ex- we're kind of expecting the legs of Dean Murray and Stephen Welsh to carry us to them sort of heights. Now, I do not think that's a bit detrimental to the legs of Dane Murray because... If you have a bad game for Celtic on a high European level stage, that's surely going to dent your confidence going forward.
1: Uh, oh, aye, of course. But he hasn't had a bad game for Celtic on a high European stage. He had a bad game for Celtic in a friendly. But,
0: I yeah, mean, but he's, he, what I'm saying is he's 18 years old. He shouldn't be expected to be through into these games.
1: No, absolutely not. But And I, I take your point, like <clears throat> eh, in previous seasons for a, a good number now, we have gambled on these qualifiers. But I think this year, uh, it's it's more to do with the timing issue and I know we shouldn't have let Eddie Howe do what he's done or whatever right but it, it's happened I, I think it's more a timing issue now and a sort of window of getting players in, it's just not been enough time because I think this new re- new regime on evidence so far are going to back the manager and they're wanting to get players in but they've just not had enough time to get the players in for this qualifier and that coupled with working within COVID guidelines, and I know every other club is in the same boat, but it, it's very difficult, and I, I, I wouldn't say they're gambling this year, I just think that the way it's panned out, and it, it it was a whole fiasco, but the way it's panned out, we are where we are now, and I don't think it's because they're gambling, I just think it's because they've not had enough time.
0: Uh, no, that's fair, I get your opinion. I mean, a lot of people would say it in terms of how they kind of under again, and as you pointed out there, the anyhow, debacle went on for... Well, months longer than it should have. But coming to your, yourself, Francis here, in terms of the defence and the team that we got beat six two, we can't hide away from that. And it's like you throw Ralston into the mixer; it's a bunch of young guys, and then you're kind of dependent on much. Like I said, the Ross is it a concern for yourself that we're kind of putting these guys in the the Michelin game? And I know again COVID guidelines and stuff. But from my point of view. If if what they said about Coglu in terms of the rescouting this guy for months is potential to come in instead of anyhow, surely when they give him that phone call, be like, right, get a few players in mind and we'll get them signed straight away. No,
2: no, I, I totally totally take on board your point, but I mean to go back as well. It's it was all transparent, like We're we're led to believe that uh, Coglu was in the framework long before he was actually. Uh, we all heard about it so. We don't. That could just be Celtic saving face, saying that he was he was in the plan months and months ago. We we really don't know. I think like I'm. I, I get both arguments here from yourself, and Ross. I'm I'm slightly leaning towards Ross simply as I want to stay positive, Stephen, because I get <laughs> I, I do I do believe that we are gambling again eh, this season again. But also I think as I, I don't think it's as much as previous season. Simply Duty, to where we find ourselves, we well, obviously how we've came around getting the new manager, and obviously the COVID guidelines trying to get folk in the Euros. Obviously, eh, sort of, have only finished a couple of weeks, and we're kicking off our football season really with the the qualifiers. So there has been a lot of factors, like mitigating factors, came into it. But I'm trying to try to be positive and say it, it's more more sort of the world we're living in and now the reason it, it's happened so slow. But I think one positive I think I can take from getting beat 6 to albeit in a friendly, is maybe the board will look, because obviously a lot of the board members are still there, i have been under previous managers, maybe they'll they, they maybe look at it and go, oh, that's a bit of a wake-up call here. The managers, I feel Postal has been quite smart in a good way with some of his, his interviews and stuff, and... He's putting wee sort of a phrases in there that's, but like sort of we we digs to the side to the board to say, "Come on, let's get the finger out here." So, yeah, it's it's I can I can get both sides of the argument, Stephen. But I'm trying to I'm trying to side with Ross to stay positive
0: on it. Oh, I mean you have to grant me one thing. It did start the show with uh, two positives, the sadly
1: goals. I mean, yeah, no, the, no, no, no. no. <laughs> the the rest of By um, way. I, I take your argument as well, Stephen. I'm just trying. to... A bit like Francis looking at fair more positive sort of of framey minds, like slash side of the argument, if you like. Uh, But I I totally take on board what you're saying as well. It's it's a bit like I mean,
0: I get what you guys are saying. Like, don't get me wrong, pre-season fair enough. But six two at home against any club at any sort of time is a bit of a shambles. Be honest, like. Yeah, no, no, I totally
2: agree. It's never nice to
1: see. Absolutely, it was it was really really bad how. Easily, we were beaten on Saturday, but I think you could say that the young guys' heads went down, eh, which is fair enough, eh, and it's up to Postecoglou to lift the heads eh, for Wednesday. Eh, but I mean, there was there was positives in the game, even though we got beat six two. You could say we, we we did play well going forward. Eh, our passing was crisper and sharper. I don't think we were ever absolutely outplayed in the game at any point I just think that West Ham were, well our defence was found wanting a bunch of young guys playing against seasoned footballers Uh, but I I, I think we're playing with a purpose again and a clear plan and we're just probably lacking probably a bit in personnel just now but I I believe the personnel is coming, Uh, you have to believe that because otherwise what are we doing eh? But
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i mean, I've, I, I get what you mean like west ham you're right they finished sixth in the premier league last season as you said a bunch of professional guys knows what they're doing those what style implemented are intimate, for a couple of years now under david Moyes. And um, but i kind of i was frustrated watching it and you francis you made a point there about the board waking up maybe going this is a wake-up call you have to ask <laughs> yourself the question why does it take these kind of defeats now this happened in previous seasons as well. they still did not do, do, do nothing. So what what makes you confident they're going to change that now?
2: I'm I'm not saying I'm confident. It's just and like you say, yeah, it has happened in in previous seasons. Situations like I shouldn't need to happen for for them to maybe get the the finger out, if you like. But it's sometimes sometimes these things you just they need these things to happen. They they might think they're doing they're doing all they can. Posticoglu. Every well, not just possible, every manager. It's always doesn't matter how quick a signing takes to come in the door, it's always too long for a manager at the end of the day. But I just I, I don't know why you need, I wouldn't say you need something like this to happen, but sometimes this is these things happen. It, it may be just as a wee thing for any sort of a club or any sort of a board to say, right, we need to actually get, get business done quicker or we need to attempt to get business done quicker and see, see if there's any way we can. We can do things a lot better and help the manager out because they said they were going to back the manager. So by all accounts that they, they have to an extent, it's just it's not been as quick as I think. Well, it's not been as quick as Poster wants, and probably not as quick as us as fans really want. But we're just like managers We want we want guys in yesterday. At the end of the day, so I'm I'm trying to stay confident, Stephen, that they're going to get get the right personnel. Personally, because I think as like Ross said, there we do see to have a plan. We just need the personnel to carry out that plan. If you like, yeah. But
1: I don't, I don't think. Sorry, so, so I, I don't think that they they'll be using the the West Ham defeat there, uh, as a, as a sort of push to go and get players in because they've, they've already started to address the central defence before that defeat and bringing in Starfelt, So I don't think that that's. That that's going to the West Ham defeat is going to be used as a push because I think they're already doing their work. It's just taking a bit longer than what most people would hope and want. I know, no, I, totally
2: agree. I, I, I know, totally agree. I just think things like that can go can sort of say, give the manager a wee bit more power and say, look, we need to oh, get aye. there quicker. We need to get there quicker than that. He can he can maybe use it to his advantage. That maybe yeah. that's maybe a better way of putting it.
0: I think what the, what the West Ham game shows as well with definitely another centre half, there's no question for me. We need ah, Starfelt well, plus another, 100%. Well, I mean, absolutely. if do anything... We need
1: the, it, even, sorry, Stephen.
0: Go on you go. If anything, we need it for experience more than anything because you've got Welsh, you've got Dame Murray, and then I know we'll have Juliana and and someone else to come in, just to round it up. I know it's yeah. four or five, but do you know what I mean? We do need that. And well, we don't know when Julian's coming back, do we? I, that's very true. Uh, Just to get your guys' opinion before we move on to other matters, um, I know he's a new player and everyone's kind of grasping at him and stuff, and we've seen him in two appearances, but I have to give a shout-out to Adaba. I think Ross, he's been excellent in the games, I've seen him in. I know he got took off basically before half-time against Midtland because Beaton got sent off, but even in that short time and against West Ham, I just thought he brings a different dimension to the team. There was a point in the very first five minutes in the game, him and Edward linked up well, and he was just bombing down the right-hand side, taking players on, whipping cross shot, cross balls in, hitting shots and stuff. It's refreshing to see,
1: isn't it? Aye, uh, it definitely is. Uh, I, I've liked to look at him so far. I like his directness. Uh, and like you said, he's added, he's added a different dimension to the team. A, a dimension that the team was absolutely screaming out for uh, last season. Uh, he, he hugs that touchline all the time. Uh, and then all of a sudden he just drives inside or he drives for the byline eh, and he's another guy like Christy who is geared up for Angie's style Eh, I have been very impressed with him eh, and the the limited time that we've seen him and he's also eh, scored a goal in that time as well so there's absolutely no complaints and he looks well worth so far well worth the money that we paid for him yeah I have to agree what about yourself Francis
2: Nah, I to, totally agree, it's just, I think it was yourself that, that said it the other day, Stephen, that he's, a, he's a like wee a bit of throwback, he predominantly wants to get down to the, the, the byline and cro- crosses and just an old school winger, if you like, but like Ross said, he, he, he will come inside, his first, his first thought is, go forward, go forward, but like Ross said, he hugs the touchdown, so he's, he's keeping the part wide, and then obviously that, that in th- itself opens up space in the middle of the part, so... Even if he's not on the ball, he's affecting the game by the fact that he's he's that far wide and just hugging the touchdown. But and obviously the goal, he obviously looked a bit fairly confident last week in the first leg against Michelin. Goal would ov- obviously help with that. Yeah, he had to come off because of the the tactical change. But again, he gets flung in against West Ham and had a decent showing. So yeah, he's it's it's probably flying there now. He's. I can't remember. zero zero complaints about the guy the now and I think he'll be I think he'll be actually like like I say I think he's he'll be flying his cell now.
0: So far the signs are good. Now, you're gonna notice a bit of a theme here. What I've done, I've put the positive <laughs> in it's, it's gonna be followed up by a negative. Usually it's you follow a negative you follow a negative with a positive, but I'm doing it the other way around. So we're gonna move on to the, the goalkeeping scenario. Barkas again has come in for much criticism. I mean, I tried that oh. I got interrupted in our group chat and everything after the West Ham game. Me, me still defend them. But I'm not going to lose all hope yet. But I want to hear your guys' opinion before I get mine. Now, he did make two good saves, one on ones. He, he did make saves. And Chris Sutton in the commentary said this could be the making of him. I mean, it definitely wasn't. But coming to yourself,
1: uh, Ross first here. Barkas, is it a no from you? Oft. The, the biggest no you'll ever see in your life me. But, um, I mean, like you said, you have to give credit where credit's due, and he did have a couple of good early stops. Uh, one and ones um, that probably wouldn't have looked out of place in his uh, YouTube real for his Athens days. Um, but, I mean, the Antonio one was probably more of a poor finish, but he still had to make the save. Uh, the Lanzini one's a very good save, one and one He, he, he stays up, keep, makes his sale big. But, yeah, uh, it just sort of reversed, reversed back to type with that second goal uh, for West Ham. Where, it, it, I mean, again, okay, he was exposed by his defence, but his positioning was one of the worst I've ever seen. It was so, so bad, man. It was, I don't like, he was so far over, it was. It just wasn't true. But, I mean, in my opinion, and I said it on the, I'm sure I said it in the group last week. Eh, I personally think if, if we don't bring in a replacement for Vasilis Sparkas before the end of the transfer window, this transfer window, then I don't think it really matters who else we sign. And I, I didn't say this lightly and I don't like to say it, but I think if if we continue with him, I think it's going to be highly, highly unlikely that we win that title back off the Rangers. I, I, I think that he costs us 15 points a season rather than gains Is that. He didn't win league titles at any level with a poor, unreliable keeper. And it, that's what he is. It, it's just a, it's a fact of football. Uh, it's been proven time and time again for me. Uh, I, I just think it is a matter of urgency for me that he is replaced uh, sooner <laughs> rather than later. I mean, that
0: pitcher has been been doing the rounds, Ross, as you said, that positioning where they have him Die. basically coming out and he's kind of still in the centre of his goal—it's it's horrendous. And I have to admit that myself. And I've been the one kind of been a bark ass cheerleader, so to speak. I've been saying, "There's, a, there's a goalkeeper in him. I do believe it." But <laughs> I've had a wee bit of time to calm down after the weekend, after the wee argument we had in the group chat, and have looked at the goals again, or well, the ones he was on for, anyway. I mean, but, but yes, he did. I- make-
1: Sorry, Steve, can I ask you, um, because on the last podcast, John asked you this, and you didn't actually answer it. He asked you, is Barkas good enough? Uh, And you answered that way. You believe he will be our number one going forward. But I I, I have to agree with that. I think he probably will be, and that's a scary thought. But I, I have to ask you, honestly, based on what he's done in a Celtic jersey, do you think he's good enough to be our number one like and I, and I don't know why, because I, I just don't I, I don't see how anybody can make a case for him anymore. And I know you're saying that, but I I, I don't see how anybody could make a case for him after two months of last season, personally.
0: I mean, I do believe he's going to be sadly normal number going forward. Moving on, no, we're joking. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think, I mean, the good enough question, right? I didn't actually hear John saying that, probably me not concentrating, but I mean, I do... Is he good enough what we've seen in Celtic? Definitely not. I have to agree with that. But I put that much down to the coaching he received last season, adjusting to a different climate. And in the pre-season games we've seen this season, Ben Lawrence, he's looked all right. I mean, he's, he's kind of adapted to the Posse Coglu side of things. And I think sometimes Celtic supporters in general kind of look at Barcast as a scapegoat for every goal that's conceded instead of looking at every kind of possibility to stop that goal, whether it's defending errors, midfield errors, or losing it from the front. You, you look at the goals, I mean, we did concede six, but when, when I through Twitter, he thought Barkas was the villain the of the world. I do uh, genuinely I I believe, believe it. Yeah, I, I do genuinely believe, Ross, I don't think Sally so are going to get another goalkeeper. That's me being serious about uh, my opinion anyway. He will be number I, one. He's, he's he's not been he's not been good enough, no, I'll give you that, but well, shit, we've spent five million pounds on him, I no club's going to give us that back. I mean, especially on the form he's on at the moment, and I just—is he good enough? Short answer: no. But will he remain at Celtic? Short answer: yes.
1: I, I By the way, I I would have to agree with that. Like, I think he probably will be our number one going forward. But like you say, he's no good enough to be, and it's it's a scary thought that he is going to be in goal. And I I really fear for us if he's going to be the man that's tasked with keeping the ball in net. Now, I know, Francis. I mean, you said last week in the pod that you're not off the barcast train
0: yet because I, I said to you about that and you said you weren't firmly off it. But I'm guessing after this weekend's performance, you're kind of off it on a different platform. Uh,
2: not, not quite, not quite. But I'm, I'm getting close, to, I'm getting close to getting off my stops coming soon. I think <laughs> I think my stops coming soon, Steve, But It's like, I mean, the still picture that we're seeing is absolutely horrendous, but yeah. still, still pictures. Can, can look bad when he's, he's but two... but the times eh, Antonio takes his shot, he's about two yards closer. So he's, he's about in the middle of the goal as opposed to the faraway post in the still picture. But yeah, his possession for it is just horrendous. And it's like, they're just clear in obvious areas. And I think that's half the problem. It's like me and you, well, you more so now, are still trying to back the guy and they are going... It just gets to the next game, you're like, oh, he's done it again. He's just hung me up to dry again. It's, it's like, I, I think it was the last Celtic and Rangers game last season where I, I made the case for them from his lax on. we never <laughs> seen it. we never seen it. He had the worst 45 minutes I think a professional football player played. And it was like, you never seen him again in another Celtic jersey. So it's, I do, like, like used to, it. I think he will be Celtic's number one going forward. But also, like I said in the, the last podcast, I would. Not be against Celtic getting a keeper. I would, I would, I would maybe be an advocate for them getting one. And just because, like Ross said, like Ross said, good goalkeepers win your leagues. It's just that as as a fact of football, they do win your leagues. I understand your argument from a previous podcast where you said uh, a good defence in front of them might give confidence, but you can also flip that and say a good, I trust good keeper. Gives confidence to the defence, so it's it's a hard one. If if we can get a good defence, and I might I might stay on the train a wee bit longer. But where we are now, it's my stops coming. Since Stephen, I've got it, Matt. Yeah.
0: But see, genuine question to both of you. It's right. I'll come to yourself, Ross. First, I, I touched upon what I said. Do you not think that fans kind of pigeonhole them for everything? I mean, whether it's a goal, it's a cracking goal. Bark, I should have got it. Whether it's ahead of goal, Barkas should have got it. A defensive error, Barkas should get it. Do you not think he's kind of being skip a little bit?
1: Uh, I I think there probably is an element to that. Uh, personally, uh, no no for me because uh, I mean I've obviously, I've obviously already like praised him for his early saves in the West Ham game. Uh, but their their saves <laughs> that he should be making, I, I don't think Barkas. And when, when I say like he wins, he, like he like a keeper that wins you 15 points as like a keeper that makes a, a save that he's no right making or he, like a game where you're struggling and you're maybe drawing nil-nil and then your keeper pulls out a worldy, and then he's got a late goal that's the, the, the sort of saves that I don't think mm-hmm. Barkas brings to the table uh, I, I just think if we can and I know it's probably no viable but if we can get a Forster or anybody for that matter no chance you know, no chance <laughs> Will be an improvement, then I, I, I think we must, we have to make it happen. I, I, I don't understand why you're so against Foster. Like, I know, it's, like it's, I, it's, I know that you've said sorry,
0: we're meant to be looking forward as a club, Ross. We can't keep going back to people who's had a connection with Celtic Foster, didn't want to come last season and this season, far enough, he might be available for transfer. But I'm going to revert back to what I said, Ross, for me anyway he will not suit the way Postacoglu plays and i can't see Postacoglu compromising his style for one player
1: i just can't I, see it I, I don't i don't think he needs to though I, i'm not saying forster will come right but, but if the option was there then I, I personally would take it even if it was for a season just to get his hopefully get his this help us get this league title and automatic qualification but to to come sort of back at you on the forster disney suit Postacoglu style Rogers came in to Celtic and he didn't think Craig Gordon fitted his style. He dropped him, he brought in De Vries and then quickly realised that actually Craig Gordon's a better goalie than De Vries. He mm-hmm. brought Gordon back in and then he won two trebles under Rogers' watch. And Gordon maybe wasn't totally suited, but he adjusted to an, to an extent. So why, why can't Forster?
0: I think there's a key difference, to be honest with you, Ross. I mean... Craig Gordon, he wasn't used as a sweeper keeper. He didn't see him in the halfway line. All, all Craig Gordon had to really learn and adjust to he was passing it from the back, where Barca's or Forster, if it happens, they need to be able to run, get involved, the play high up the pitch, not make mistakes. So there's plenty of other variables to put in there. Ah, uh, Foster uh,
2: doesn't uh, make many mistakes. What does he? So that's one thing. Uh, just
1: that, but Foster's forward. I want the the guy to keep the ball at the net, and Barkas yeah. doesn't do that? So you you can't make a a case for Barkas fitting his style if he's not keeping the ball at the net. I would rather maybe Forster struggled a wee bit and had to like drop back slightly, and Angie style. I, I don't think your keeper needs to be as far up the park as, but it's maybe going to be expected. Uh, but I mean, I take I take your point, but I I just think that. I'm just, obviously, so against Barkas. <laughs> <laughs> never a,
2: never a guessed.
0: I think one of the most frightening things about post Cogna is, I think, if our team scores four and they score three, he won't really care, Francis, do you know what I mean? I think that's the way he to likes to play that, football.
2: I wouldn't, because if that's the way you, you go about the season, you wouldn't like it. If you score more yes. goals than your opposition, you wouldn't like it, then it'd be exciting to watch.
0: But what's your yeah, opinion I, I, about it? I said I said the Ross about fans kind of pigeonholing and scapegoating Barkas at the minute.
2: Yeah, but fans will always do that. And then it, like, it's Barkas doesn't help himself because like I said earlier, there is his, his errors are, are are clear and obvious ones like just going recently back to the midland one by council looks like he pulls his hands out the way. And then the West Ham one, he's totally position. Like, it's stupid, stupid, wee errors and. Some of the goals that just look like he's I'm not I would never say he's not tried, but he, he's kinda going down in stages and stuff. And it's just like some of the goals he has conceded they don't help. And so that's why folk will pack up on him. And it's when you concede a lot of goals, it's that type of the type of keeper he's been for us, or lack of a keeper. Uh, it's 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 easy to kinda point the finger at him because you're just going, well, it must be Barkas, so it's, yeah, it will be <laughs> sort of a, folk will just use him as a scapegoat, but at the same time, there's a reason, I'm not saying every goal is his fault, but there's a reason folk use him as a scapegoat, because guys like James Forrest in the past have been using the scapegoat, and then suddenly he was injured, and last season, we, a lot of the fans that used him as a scapegoat realised that he wasn't, now, if Barkas could do something like that, then but <laughs> I, don't, I, I uh, I'm struggling from Stephen. I'm struggling. I'm struggling yeah. to be on struggling to be on side with him.
0: I mean, Barcast is like that song, though. That it wasn't me. So just <laughs> every chorus, it wasn't me. <laughs> but look moving on, to the last sort of point about the match I want to speak about, and that's Lee Griffiths. I mean, obviously it's been a contentious issue for everyone involved around South I mean, pod, podcast groups like kind of addressing it, and obviously he's been cleared of any criminal activity. That's fair enough, but. For me, anyway, I was against Lee Griffiths getting a new contract, so my opinion doesn't really change. I don't think he should be at the club. For me, he hasn't done anything to merit being the club, merit being the club, and obviously other than to the fact of off-field drama, this is two pre seasons in a row where he's kind of been the centre of attention. And for me, for Posta Coglu, I think anyway, it's a kind of a, a circus. He doesn't need around him. Ross, would you not agree with that?
1: I uh, I would. I would agree that agree with that uh, wholeheartedly. But I think that like we've touched on before, he was given that new contract more out of necessity as regards because of the personnel we had rather than whether he deserved to be there. I think that's all that was, really. Yeah, I mean, what what's your opinion on, obviously? I mean,
0: yes, he's been cleared of any wrongdoing. That's fair enough. But Celtic fans <laughs> will kind of judge you. That's the truth. They're judged during execution when it comes to things like this. And not even add into the fact that, I mean, look at it as well. If we go to away grounds, if they're filled, it could be even worse kind of things being chanted from the stands. And, like, for me, the booing, I have to admit with you guys, I probably would have booed as well. Now, the reason why is because, added up to everything, this has been four years of Griffiths basically being unavailable for Celtic. He had that golden period when he scored 40 goals on the Ronnie He Fair enough. He goes on the pitch and he scores... He does score some goals. I mean, I think he scored like six or seven last season. Uh, but I come to yourself, Ross, again. Do you think that his time should be up? Obviously, the Celtic supporter are divided, and it's hard, but you can't have a divided support get into this season, especially with Poster Caldo's first season.
1: Uh, I, I, I mean, I, I totally take your point there, but for me, um, and it's, it's quite a contentious subject, so you, you sort of try to tread carefully, but for me, anyone who wants to boo a Celtic player every time he touches the ball, I, I just think they shouldn't be allowed back inside Parkhead. That that sort of behaviour, if you like, is alien me And I mean, I know, like you've said, he hasn't been great for a while. And he's had countless chances. But as soon as you pull on the hoops and are playing for the the cause, you should never ever be booed. I mean, by all means voice your frustrations on a player's performance. Wait like expletives, uh, if you if you want to do that, uh, whatever way, like that type of thing, happens in every ground across the country on a weekly basis. But you you can't be booing your own players every touch. And uh, I accept he faced he faced some serious allegations, uh, but there, there's been a thorough investigation, and he's been deemed that there's no case to answer by the responsible authorities. Don't get me wrong. He's once again been an absolute naive idiot, to say the least. But I'm trying to, try to watch what I'm saying here. But a lot of people, eh, without the facts, and they don't have all the facts, are taking the moral high ground for me, and they're giving them a very dangerous label. Eh, that sort of siege eh, out with the pitchforks mentality. I feel is unfair eh, mm. when when you've sort of formed the opinion if you like on min- minimal facts it, c- it can push someone th- down <clears throat> a very dangerous road mentally i think i think, I, I Ross think. as well what, what it what it
0: shows i mean i said it to you guys obviously it, it is a contentious issue but again it's surrounding Subject, and i kind of need to spoke about instead of left there I mean, yeah. but what it does show, even in our podcast, we're divided, and that's it's okay to be divided. And what way you, you see things, and as you said, he's been clear in the forties and stuff. But I'm kind of basing my argument around of what he's been available for the last four seasons, which is zero to nil, quite honestly. Yeah. And then added to the fact last preseason he get didn't get took away because he was unfit. This preseason, obviously, the online behavior came into account there, um, Francis. But what's your opinion on it?
2: Ah, uh, I, I'm. Like I'm, I'm like bro, I'm totally against folk booing, but to an extent, to, like obviously like bro, I'm trying to try to keep. But with the Griffiths situation, a wee bit of me would maybe not like we bit of me understands the booing, but not every. Touch. I don't agree with it, every touch. Like it's quite hard when I I, I don't agree with booing, but maybe if the booed... Like, try and, try and like, hear about it everything booed when he came on As a frustration thing I hope if this carries on it's they Celtic fans should not be anywhere near it We, we don't need fans booing you every week every like, And as soon as you touch the ball I'm hoping this has just got to be a one-off That's sort of a It's done They've, they've vented their frustration To let Lee Griffiths know that Look, you've got it. This is, again, you're letting the you're letting the club down and, or it's, I don't know, well, I don't, you can't really say he's let the club down, I said, when he's not been found guilty, any charges and stuff. So, it's, maybe just, like Ross said, folk taking the moral high ground. But it's, it's, maybe just, I'm hoping it's just a section of fans saying, look, we're, we're actually, we're actually, we're losing patience with, with your sort of a, behaviour, or the, the sort of a, the media attention you're bringing to the club and stuff. So, if it, like I'm really hoping and praying that it doesn't go, doesn't carry on going forward because that it's just got to help nobody because we're all in agreement. A, a fit and fine and Griffiths is a guy you want your team, but like you say, he's not really been a fit and fine and Griffiths for a few seasons now. But just to kind of touch on something that you said as well about wanting I'm away and stuff, uh, obviously. But going to away grounds that we can't control behaviour of away fans. We can only control the the behaviour of our own fans, so you've just got to hope the authorities and stuff that are at games, if there's certain chance towards Lee graphics, it's you hope they then do their job. The authorities then do their job there and deal with them, because like we said, the guys, the guys, been proven not guilty in any of these allegations yeah. by by the police. So it's it's I can as I say I can understand some of the booing to an extent, but I hope it's a one-off because I'm. Like Ross, when you pull on that jersey, it's you've you've got to support the team regardless.
1: Yeah, I I I, think, I mean, so I think we also have to acknowledge that the burn on Saturday wasn't because of how poor he's been the last three. No, no, four no. Seasons, how he's not turned up? It, it was to do with this other I, thing I you know. and been. I mean, for me, the authorities have dealt with it, the, the matter and. I don't believe for one second if there was even a smudge, a legal wrongdoing, they they would let it slide. He's maybe done something morally wrong. Eh, we don't know, but if there was a smudge, a legal wrongdoing, they wouldn't let it slide in such a delicate subject. It, and yeah. for me, taking all that into account, the booing, in my opinion, was shameful and. Let's not forget, by the way, that the club itself is satisfied enough with the investigation and the evidence surrounding it to allow him to represent us again. That alone, for me, should be enough for our support.
0: But I think as well, Rush, I'll take into the consideration there that the reason he's probably there now is necessity. I think Poster Coglu summed it up perfect when he was asked about the subject of fans booing and he said he wouldn't say them, stop it. He, they know more about Celtic than he does. And I think that's fair enough. And mm-hmm. I don't really understand, like just for the final point, obviously, I don't understand why there's a big uproar from Celtics, certain sections about people voicing their opinion. I think what Francis said is kind of spot on. If the boot him when he came on is frustration, fair enough. Maybe every touch was a bit excessive, but just voice your opinion in a way that can be heard. But again, it's a difficult situation, yes, but Celtic support, regardless of what it is, will always be your judge and you have to re- represent the club both morally, personally, and on the pitch as a professional. And Lee Griffiths hasn't, for me, lived up them expectations. But look, We'll move on to Pastor Coglu's post-match interview. Now, come to yourself, Ross. For, for this one first, you sent in the quotes to the, the the our podcast group chat. Was it something you were kind of refreshed by what he was saying?
1: Aye, uh, I think every time I hear the guy speaking, I am totally refreshed by him. He's honesty, everything. He's full aura. Uh, people sort of read into it sometimes that he's maybe looks a bit negative, but I just uh, I just don't think he's sort of arsed with that side of it, but he he handles it really well. I thought the interview itself, I thought he summed things up well in terms of the game. (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, He he never really throws MD under the bus. Uh, It's it's a sort of like, we're in it together sort of thing. Uh, I I like how he said uh, he wasn't going to go hiding, and he doesn't expect the players to. Uh, I, I think that sort of shows he's willing to take responsibility for whatever happens regardless of the shitty hand he's been dealt so far in the early part of his tenure, unlike his predecessor by the way But um, <laughs> I mean and, and all whilst working within the COVID guidelines but the, the final part of the interview I absolutely love to bits uh, he, he said I'm going to sort of read the, the sort of quote for the end of the interview he said um, I'm not about keeping people happy if they're not happy here then they can move on representing this football club should give you a joy and a happiness i'm not an entertainer i'm here to hopefully create a culture that maintains the values and traditions of this club and also bring success i'm not interested in people being happy that was to me and should be all celtic supporters music to to your ears uh, Mr. Dobbin, Willie, uh, he on the podcast. He he he's a great advocate of that sort of thinking. Uh, and if I'm totally honest, I, I thought Willie had done a Sam Wheat and took over Angie's body at that point. <laughs> 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 but I, that, that he, he, he summed the whole game up. Everything everything about the interview was perfect, and that last bit that I sort of read to you, just like, I just loved it. It's perfect. Yeah. I think it's refreshing as well. I mean,
0: that that line about not being there to keep people happy, that's brilliant to me because it just points to yourself, Francis, that he's not going to take no shit. He's not going to take no prisoners. If players don't want to be there, they won't be involved. And I think he actually, in the interview as well, that he just comes across the type of guy that the press can't get the better of as well. Do you get that opinion?
2: Yeah, I think we've been fairly vocal on that, saying that he seems to have the media's number a wee bit and, I don't think I don't think they're liking him for that. In a sense, they they are asking him or trying to ask him difficult questions for him to answer. And he's he seems quite a witted manner. He's definitely an intelligent man because he is he's, he's answering all the questions without really getting his selling bother or in such a manner that they can't really follow up with something to say. Ah, oh, but what about this? What about that? It's yeah. He's it's just um. I don't, I've got a list of reasons why why I keep liking him. It's just this interview is another one of just saying, well, there's reason two hundred and fifty-seven why you should like and support the Coglets. As every time the man speaks, it's it's he it has got that aura about him, and it's we were told it was sort of a a Bielsa type, a, a guy that maybe doesn't want to take any any rubbish off the media. And I think Saturday was a wee hint, a wee hint to that that he's not got a take any rubbish from the media and any players that don't want to be there, because the, the wee sort of a quote that Ross uh, read off at, I think that's maybe a wee sort of a, a wee message to some of the players that maybe are still maybe not all fully committed to the team and <coughs> maybe <crusty>. looking elsewhere. <laughs> and, uh, so I think it's it's one of them just to say, hey, look well, if you're with me, you're with me if you're no, then I'm, not, I'm, I'm actually not giving two hoops about You, you can you can sit here and sulk and collect a wage that's not his problem about about who's getting paid and whatever but if you're not happy if you've got one choice you can sit there and moan about it or get to really
0: yeah and that's <laughs> what we need we need to clear out the deadwood here just picking up a wage i think the likes of sam kind of fall into that bracket now because although he said he's going to keep him on he hasn't really featured since he said that so that's not really a good sign for him but look has been we over on wednesday evening We'll be getting into the second leg of the Champions League qualifier. Currently 1-8 against FC Midtjylland and Southerland in Denmark as we speak. Now, coming to yourself, Ross, first. I mean, obviously, the weekend's game doesn't really give us much to cling on for. But the first game against Midtjylland certainly does. The way we played, the way we kind of took it to them. We were in their half most of the game. Obviously, the send-off changed that. But when they went down to 10 men, we kind of got back into the game as the dominant force.
1: Are you confident that we can
0: pick up a result over in Denmark?
1: Aye, I definitely am. Um, I mean, uh, I, I think we've got. I think we've got a great chance. Uh, it's 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 one each at half time, basically. Uh, and like you say, I, I think we showed more than enough in the first game to give us belief. Uh, I honestly think, going off the last game, that we looked the better team, uh, and I think we we can come through the tie, providing. Barca doesn't act like a crazy person, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I think, <laughs> I, think I, I think we've got enough. Even in that, sort of threadbare. I squ- they say our eleven is it's not threadbare, but it's not perfect. The defense is threadbare, but I think like for the midfield onwards, it, it's it's almost what you would want it to be. Give or take one or two, but um, I think, guy, we, we can take the game to them uh, and pick up a result. I really believe that. I, I mean, as you said, like it, confidence
0: going into this game, yes, picking up a result, yes. But again, there's so many other factors. Francis says, there? It's like how did the fans going to perform?" Because we kind of know now that Dan Murray will be starting alongside Welsh, and they kind of got ripped to shreds. And and much like the press, the game as well with Scott Sinclair and Ted Evans, they took him round the ringer too. So it just shows the more experienced you are, they're going to have the better these guys, and that's that's the harsh reality of it, Francis, and going forward, I mean, you're probably looking at the likes of Eddie starting again, Eddie wasn't involved in the West Ham game, Adaba's going to start in the right, possibly, Christie's definitely going to start, Turnbull, I mean, middle to front, I think we're decent, we're good going forward, still a few improvements needed there, but are you confident yourself, getting into this game, we can kind of get through this round?
2: Yeah, because it's pretty much what I believe, the back five, if you like, if you include Barkas, is got to be the same one that played the majority of the game uh, last uh, last week. So there's there's no reason not to be confident. Obviously the West Ham game it's it's not great for uh, the back the the back four and Barkas but in all due respect to Mitchell, they're no, they're no West Ham. They've not got a big battling striker like Mikel Antonio and they've not got like twenty five pound players in uh, is it Ben Dui or something that doesn't really ben got a kick of the ball? Ben Ramat didn't really got a kick of the ball last season, and guys like Lanzini, and that Argentinian international, so uh, just just simply going on last week's performances, there's, there's no reason not to go into the game uh, confident. As I say, well, pretty much like dan Murray and Stephen Wells had a really great game, so the match players will maybe look at them and go, well, we really need to be, we really need to be up for this to get a sniff because. Well, account Stephen Welsh gave them absolute zero last week so yeah, he did
0: they've him. got, he did they've
2: got they've, they'll be looking at it going well we need to be in a top of game to get by these young boys because we struggled last week so there's, there's two ways to look at the defence yeah we all agree that we would prefer different personnel in there especially just the the sort of essential defence and thing, but Matson can't necessarily be confident going oh we've got we've got their two, their number really because they never last week
0: hmm I mean, I'm going to throw a curve, so come to yourself, Ross, for this. Now Liam Shaw, big William, a big fan of Liam Shaw. He's kind of said it in all the podcasts he's been on previously in regards to preseason performances. Do you think there might be a shout for him to start instead of Dan Murray? I know he can play centre back, or do you think he should just keep it a status quo with
1: this include Dan Murray? Um d I, I don't think I don't I don't think he would come into that that central pairing. I think if anybody did it would maybe be Uruguide. Um, mm, but mm. I, I don't know if I, Like Shaw has featured He featured at the start of the pre-season And uh, to be honest with you, I hadn't seen really any of the games At the, the very start So I can't give you a, a, a proper opinion But William, uh, he's been very vocal About how good he looked uh, Does he get into that sort of midfield At the moment uh, For me, not having seen him It's it's a difficult one, but I think, as as regards to the central pair near the defence, I don't think he would slide into that uh, uh, before, a uh, young Murray.
0: Yeah, um, and what, what about yourself, Rani? We just keep it the same, keep the Murray in there.
2: Yeah, Dean Murray or, like Ross said, But I don't. I know we shouldn't really necessarily think about the concept, but it might not do Dame Murray's confidence that much great if you then drop him off the back of, uh, the West Ham game, but. And then you just do oh, it. He's, he's obviously fancied, Dame Murray over Urigida now. So, yeah, I think, I think it will all be Wilson Urigida in there. And I think that's the way to go because I know, like you say, shocking play there, but he's predominantly a defensive midfielder. And we moaned about the guy, the last guy that's been playing there and got sent off last week because not a central defender. So, why, <laughs> why are we advocating for another midfielder to go in there?
0: Uh, did you not know his? Did you not know his? Uh, he has a three-barrel name, so it's Liam Shaw Beaton. <laughs> but look, we'll, we'll move on. We'll move on to the lineup predictions. Go, go to yourself, Ronnie. For this, what have you gone for?
2: I think it'll be the exact same lineup as they played against West Ham. So we Barkas and go a back four of Taylor, uh, Murray, Welsh, and Ralston. I think Abad will keep his place because obviously played well in the previous game. Then played there and. Forrest, obviously, I don't know where he's at fitness-wise, but maybe Forrest could come in, but I think it will be a badder with Sora McGregor sitting and tumble just in front of him with Christy and Edward up front. I think that's me got a living. I've not got it wrote down, but I think that's a John, I was nearly a John there.
1: <laughs> what about yourself, Ross? Um. Aye, uh, similar to Franny. Um, reluctantly, Barkas and goals, just because I think he's better than Bain. And that, that doesn't Oof, say that's, much. That
2: doesn't say much for Bain.
1: I know. For you, anyway. Uh, uh, Bain's, Bain's a number two. Barkas is a number one somewhere, but it's not for us. <laughs> uh, I would go with a back four, a Taylor, Welsh. I would probably put Urigidi in there, just because I think he's he's probably more physical than uh, Dane Murray. I uh, just thinking, in the away leg, we, we, uh, certainly set-pieces and stuff, we'll probably face a few of them. I think we just, we'll need maybe that sort of physicality in there. Um, but I wouldn't be adverse to Murray playing. I just, that would be my preference. Uh, and then, like Franny, I think Abada will keep his place in the right. forest. he's going to be on the bench and he's a great option to have on the bench. Uh, Christy on the left for me with Turnbull, McGregor, and Sorrow, uh, and then Edward up top. He's still, yeah. I'm not even gonna ballerine mine because it's the same, well, it's the same as Francis
0: apart. You're one of your goodies, he's coming, but I'm the same as Francis in terms of the lineup and score predictions. I'll go first. I'm gonna go, oh, I had it in my head there. Um, I'm gonna go two, one Celtic, Turnbull to get one, and Adaba.
1: What about yourself, Ross? Uh, I've going to go 2-1 Celtic as well and I'll go eh, Christy to get one and Abada Two way players on the score seat, love that, what about yourself Francis?
2: Eh, I, I've got a 2-1 a as well but I, I'm, I'm Christy as well I think he's flying the now and then I think Edward will maybe just come late the now
0: At least something like his trunks and fire to get him playing, don't you? If he this move, i <laughs> that brings us to the end of the show but don't worry the quiz is back this week so you guys aren't getting off the hook it's uh-huh. the same process same process as always five questions first to three whoever answers the most blah 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 are you trying to get started go for
2: it
1: uh i will just go away wave the white flag the now because of my delay <laughs> but, <you know>. <laughs> <laughs> right
0: question
2: one can you name is
1: the that, first is, ever is it a, is that a celtic quiz or
0: it's a celtic one celtic right okay he's probably still lose don't worry question uh, one can, can you name the first ever Celtic manager never to have played for the club Gordon Strachan nope. oh
2: no well, well, well I'm just, I'm just... Don't
0: know. no never to have played for the club one more guess uh, what never, had, never to have played did you say yeah Sam um, um, Jansen now move on user it was uh, Liam Brady right. I was going to say that but
1: I thought i had. The...
0: Question two: Which player made a record 822 appearances for Celtic in all competitions?
2: Father McNeil.
0: Yeah, one nil, franny Thank God when he's got that right. <laughs> <laughs> Question three: Who did Celtic sign for 100,000 in May 1983? This player made 204 appearances in all competitions and scored 126 goals over four seasons. I think he played for United. I'm not too sure, but the name rings a bell. I know who he is, obviously. No, no. It Frey begins McIlroy. with B. 2-0, Franny. Question four. In 1997, Wim Jansen became manager. Ironically, he was member of which club side that defeated Celtic in the 1970 European Cup final? No. Yeah, Franny brings it home. Three-nil. Come on. Be
2: there. No. like
0: it. Ross. Like it. Ross. Ross, you end up speaking like a chipmunk when you're on these quizzes. I can't <laughs> even hear you. But guys, I mean, I've lots done. to talk about there. Have you enjoyed this one?
2: Ah, it was, yeah. it was
0: good. Yeah, I enjoyed it, mate. Yeah. And to everyone who's listening, as John always alludes to in the last previous podcast, we are going to be going video soon. So stay tuned for that. I'll be making an announcement on all the social pages when that's happening. But hopefully it's within the next two to three weeks so something to look forward to. And I forgot to say this last week to everyone who's listening. I'll say it, I'll say it this week. <laughs> Stay well and keep safe heal heal